Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. And as we move on in the service, thank you because your word and your spirit are communicated to the hearts of people. We are stirred by the knowledge of your word. We will never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Well, how are you all doing? If you're tuning in for the first time, I want to welcome you to an experience that you will never forget in a hurry. So get ready, get ready to be blessed, get ready to be stirred. All right, I want to start today by reading first from Philippians chapter 1 verse 25. Philippians chapter 1 verse 25 is a text that you should already know if you've been a member of this church for a while. It says, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your fatherance and joy of faith. And I've shared this text, you know, with you a million times. I'll do it a billion times more. And I've had different emphasis every time I share from this text. But today, I just want to pick on the word continue. Continue. And to emphasize that the concept, you know, a cru con continuation is a crucial concept in discipleship. It's a crucial concept in discipleship. It speaks of consistency. All right. I've said this before and I'm saying it again. What a ministry believes is not what it has in a statement of faith. You know, a lot of people have the statement of faith in their website, what we believe. You know, but what you really believe is what you emphasize. There has to be a consistency to it. There has to be a structure to it, a systematic structure for helping the people in that ministry to live out, you know, that experience. So it's not just about saying, oh, we believe in prayer. You have to have prayer meetings. It's not just about saying we believe in the healing power of God. You have to see it in your midst. You know, so emphasis is a very crucial aspect of spiritual growth. You know, and, and today I, don't, I just don't want to talk about emphasis. I want to talk about balanced emphasis. Because when you look at the body of Christ, emphasis is not the problem at all. The real question is, is the emphasis balanced? Is what we emphasize balanced? And so you see a lot of people who emphasize healing so much, they have no theology. You see a lot of people who have theology so much, they have no charismatic ministry. You know, we always tend to hear, um, hold on to one aspect of the manifestation of God, of the knowledge of God, instead of the whole package and, you know, a wholesome deal. So we have to learn balance, a crucial aspect of spiritual growth is balance, where he says, I will continue with you for your progress and joy. So, okay, you've mastered this aspect of theology, but I want you to go ahead and learn. More. There's more to learn about God. There's more to learn in the word of God. This is so important. I cannot emphasize this enough. For instance, um, when it comes to financial stewardship, there is what is emphasized in the body of Christ. In fact, there's been a lot of debate, for instance, about tithing. And um, this is not the sermon. I have several sermons where I address that. And you can check them out. You know, 
but, but there's so much emphasis on tithing. And I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong now. I'm just saying this is what is emphasized in the body of Christ. But isn't it interesting that even regarding the subject of tithing, not everything the Bible has to say about it is emphasized. I mean, there's something very crucial the Bible talks about that you hardly ever hear about. For instance, look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28. I want to read something to you. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28. Deuteronomy 14, 28. It says, and I read, it says, At the end of every third year, you shall bring the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied. You know, so this particular tithe he's talking about is to be devoted to the widowless, widows and the fatherless and the strangers. Uh, you so, so now, how is this tithe to be used? They are going to eat and be satisfied. You know, so this is a welfare tithing that is hardly spoken of. People hardly talk about this. People, you know, in a lot of Christian circles, many people have no problem when it comes to giving to God. They have no problem at all. But when it comes to giving to people, a lot of people who in 10 years have not filled in tithing once, when it comes to any other form of giving, you find them lacking. Lagging behind. And, and, and it's, you just wonder why. You just wonder why. Why is it that a lot of people who never fail in their generosity towards the gospel are not consistent in any other form of... For, for some people, it's, it's like a mental escape. The moment they've given to God or to the work of the ministry, they feel that they are not under any obligation to do anything else. You know why? They, they have not really learned generosity. Some of those people are only tithing because they're afraid. You know, they've heard some wrong teaching on the repercussions of not tithing. And so they, they, they are not really generous. In fact, their tithing is a demonstration of their selfishness, their self-preservation. They want to preserve themselves. And that's why any other form of giving, they don't do. You know, there's something, you, you notice an obvious omission. I don't like to talk about these things. But it's a teaching in the Word of God. The Bible also talks about Levites. Even though pastors today are not Levites, the Bible also talks about giving to those who labor over you in the word of God. A lot of people, it never even occurs to them. <laughs> you know, it never really, the moment of giving, you know, it never even occurs to them. Some will come for counseling three hours. And they can do it every week for one year. And it never occurs to them, you know, to just buy something for the kids. They're coming to the house. Or you're coming to the office to buy a Bible, buy a notepad, even on your birthday. You know, and let me tell you this. Apart from spiritual devotion, this is something that is going to help you in every facet of life. Just build a culture of generosity. When you become a part of a family, 
by marriage or, or any means. Let it be something they will know about you. Some of you, you know, in your youthful age, you talk about that uncle that has a lot of money that doesn't remember anybody. But gradually, you are becoming that uncle. You are becoming that auntie. You have to start from early. Build that culture of responsibility. I know many young people who are earning so much, but have little or no responsibility. You're not responsible for anything or anyone. Start practicing. Who are you going to help? Maybe there's so many siblings in the house, like many African families, many of your brothers are so much older, they're like uncles and aunties. And you have a younger one in the house. Your parents are retired. And now you're earning so well. How about you help with, even if it's the pocket money of that younger brother or that nephew? It's something you need to learn. Start practicing, okay? Start practicing. It's a teaching in the Word of God. Very crucial. All right? So, just in case you don't already know, I'm talking to you on generosity. And I've taught on this so many times, but the, 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 the situation in the world warrants our discourse on this. Because can I tell you something? Not to get ahead of myself, but when it comes to austere times, austere times, God's strategy for catering for his people is not just miraculous supply, but the generosity of others, the legendary biblical generosity of others. So even if you are Elijah hiding in the brooks and, you know, the ravens are bringing you food in the morning and in the evening, it's going to get to a time, which is what happened to Elijah. God is still going to direct you to a woman, that widow, and through prophetic generosity, she's, she's going to be generous. So there is still Listen, we see both examples in the Bible. Supernatural supply, all right, and generous donations from people. And, and so you, you have to be ready, not just to receive, but to give. A lot of people, when, when the topic of generosity is being discussed, they think about it from the receiving angle. From the receiving angle. And, and you have to see yourself as a giver. Not just a receiver. I said this years ago. I said many people have been taught to pray for favor when they're going out. But imagine if you say to yourself when you're going out, I'm going to be a person of favor. I'm going to favor someone out there. I'm going to be the answer to someone else's cry. Someone else's problem. Someone else's issue. I mean, you know, I... I Remember years ago, I was supposed to write an exam, and this was, I, you know, I was supposed to write an entrance exam into the university, so you can imagine how long ago this was. And where I was living at the time was close to church, close to school, so I never really had any cause to travel long, long distance, but I had to this time. And my brother had told me, at this time, we are going to meet at this place. Because he was coming from somewhere else. We were supposed to meet at that place. I had no phone. And he would pick me up from that place and we would go. 
I had just enough money to get to the place where we were supposed to meet. Lo and behold, I got there, and my brother was nowhere to be found. I waited. I, I was still in my secondary school uniform, hungry. And now I'm just waiting there. I literally needed a miracle. And a soft-spoken lady, you know, just walked to me. In fact, I actually prayed. I said, God, <laughs> please send help. You know, she just came soft-spoken and smiling and say, said, how are you? You are waiting for someone, aren't you? Have you had lunch? You know, and she bought me lunch. She bought me lunch and gave me, you know, tea fair so that I could either go home or find a way to meet my brother somehow. You know, and, and I will never forget that. Till today, to be honest, I still am not sure. <laughs> was it an angel or was it a real person? Was it an angel? And I don't have time to tell you whether, why I thought it could have been an angel. All right. Makes no difference. But it also gave me the impression. I want to have so much impact in people's lives as far as generosity is concerned. And leave them wondering throughout their life if it was an angel or a real person. I, you know, you just help a stranger and walk away. And leave them with that mystery. All through their lives. I, I want to be known for generosity. I want to be. I want to be. Whilst a lot of people brag about what they have. If you must brag at all, brag about what you give. Brag about the people whose lives have changed. The people you've brought out of poverty. All right? I want to be known for generosity. This is so important. This is, this is a huge um, and very important point. So, two points that we're going to address today on the generosity. Number one, I want you to see financial privileges as a privilege from God. Financial privilege as a privilege from God. So, I want you to come to a point where you have this consciousness, this awareness. When you look around and you see resources, reckon that God gave you those privileges on purpose and for a purpose. Reckon that God gave you those privileges, those resources on purpose and for a purpose. It's a consciousness you must have. A consciousness of stewardship. A consciousness of accountability. God gave me this. And he's watching to see what I do with it. It's very important. Secondly, I want you to consider it your responsibility to reproduce that blessing. Someone should be able to be happy and blessed because I had financial privileges. Someone. Someone. So when I, some of you are already thinking of what you would do when you have a better job. The only problem is all that thought is focused on yourself alone. The type of clothes you would wear if only you had a better job. The type of car you would drive if only you had more money. The kind of countries... The number of countries you will visit and the number of times you will visit them. If only you had more money. But have you started to think about who you would help? 
And you know, it's very convenient to keep thinking about who you would help. But with the resources you have now, who are you helping? In local palace, who you help? Who you help, brother? International audience, who are you helping? <laughs> who are you helping, bro? <laughs> All right. So, so this is so crucial. See financial privileges as a privilege from God. Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Some people, the moment they make money, they become so haughty. They become so unaccessible. They become so proud. They become so arrogant. Listen, no believer in Jesus should act this way. No believer should act this way. And some people spiritualize their pride. You know, oh, the Lord has blessed me. No. Don't do that. This is a, an instruction in the word of God. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be haughty. Drop your shoulders. Bring down your chin from the air, from the skies. Act normal. You listen. You are not a secular music star. You are a child of God. There's a culture out there. We have our culture. We have our culture. Don't be hearty. It says not to trust in uncertain riches. Can I tell you something? You know the way to know someone is trusting in uncertain riches. If your change in financial capabilities changes your character, you're trusting in riches. That trust, that character is coming from somewhere. If your change in financial capabilities changes your character, you are trusting in riches. You are. You are. Otherwise, where did the change come from? Where did the change come from? This money. Money. You, you, you see the way some people talk to others. You, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. He said, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. You know, and it's interesting that he said uncertain riches. It's a subtle reminder <laughs> to some people. You might not pray for this, but in the normal sequence of things, Money has in nature a character. The Bible says it can take wings and fly away. And can I tell you something? It's not meant to be a problem if it happens. Because when you had plenty, if you had empowered people, you will always have plenty. Even when that source that was bringing that money goes down the drain, you will always have plenty. So it's a reminder, the fact that that avenue is bringing money today is not proof that it will bring money in the next 20 years. 
It's uncertain. It's uncertain. Can I tell you something? History has many examples of this. People who were rich before, who used to be rich. Problem is, now they can't, they, they have to hide their face. Because when they had money, they oppressed many. They took many people for granted. They didn't help anybody. And now, they are lonely. They are lonely. Have you seen people? Nobody wants to be around them. There are some people like that. They are going to spend the rest of their days in loneliness. Some elderly people, even though some is the children, that's, that's children of this age, have this self-centered, selfish attitude. They don't want to be there for their parents at all. They don't want to identify with them. Because you, you are fresh, you are entitled, you are forgotten that it is because of them you have all the privileges that you have. But there are some people who just have pushed away everybody from them. And then they end up spending the rest of their days in loneliness. Don't be that fellow. Do not be that fellow. All right? Don't oppress. Bless. When a canal man has money, it's an avenue for proving to others that he is better than them. When a believer has money, it's an avenue for making others better. Let me take that again. When a carnal person has money, it becomes an avenue for proving to others that he is better than them. When a believer has money, it's an avenue for helping others become better. Don't oppress, bless. So it says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So my mentality is, I have these privileges because of God. He gave me this. God gave me this. God gave, can I tell you something? You have to have the humility and the honesty to admit that some of those people you see on the streets, who you might call riffraffs and call different names, if they had the opportunities and the privileges that you had, they might have done better than you. They might have done better. I mean, the difference between you and a lot of people, billions of people all over the world, is simply opportunity. It's just opportunity. Have that sense of humility, of stewardship, of accountability to say, you know what? I'm here because of God. He gave this to me. And then to say, God, what would you have me do? With these resources, with these privileges that you have given to me. Which leads me to the next point. Consider it your responsibility to reproduce that blessing. Make sure that no privilege comes through in your life without someone else feeling the impact. Just make it a point of duty. 
make it a point of it. You know, there are so many, maybe church members, for instance, who have left the financial burdens of the ministry to, to very few people. Because, you know, Celebration Church will not pressure you to give. Nobody monitors your giving. Nobody calls you to make any demand. If, if you literally don't make any financial commitment, nobody will call you. But some people are content with going on consistently without being a part. And, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's a symptom of a big problem. Don't be like that in life. All right? And then generally in life, when you're doing well financially, make sure the impact of your privilege is felt. Make sure. In your family, make sure. Make sure. This is so important. Because every good thing has a destiny to reproduce itself. Every good thing has a destiny to reproduce itself. It's a destiny. You can see it in the natural order of life. All right. There was chaos all over the world at the beginning, you know, and the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep. Creation started. And then God began to speak and things began to manifest. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 11, let me read this to you. It says, Genesis 1 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, that herb, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Oh, this is beautiful. This is this is the order of nature that as God was creating plants, he gave them the capacity to reproduce after their kind. So every fruit carried seed. Are you listening to this? Every fruit carried seed so that the end of my goodness doesn't have to be the end of my kind. And this is what I mean. It doesn't have to end with me. Even in the natural order of plant life, one day I'm a fruit hanging on a stem, depending on that vine for my existence. And then I get the privilege to restart that entire sequence. I can put my seed in the ground. It can sprout up. It can germinate. Other fruits can be birthed as a result of that. This, this should be my mindset in life. It must not end with me. Somebody said metaphorically, and I think it makes sense. That's why it's called cash flow. <laughs> Let it flow, brother. <laughs> Let it flow. And this is, this is not, you know, any advocacy for ostentatious spending. I'm just saying... Let people benefit from your light. From your light. This is so crucial. The same thing you see in God's order of things in creating humans. God wanted to create billions of people. But he didn't create billions of people. He made one man. 
From that man, he made a woman. And through those two, through procreation, every one of us came to be. Even science has proven that all of human race came from one blood. Isn't that remarkable? That's God's order of things. So even if he wanted, you know, man to cover the earth, he could have created a billion human beings or six billion human beings, seven billion as we have today. But he didn't. He created two and gave them a mandate. Be fruitful. Multiply. Can I tell you, this is God's order when it comes to, you know, being a blessing to other people as well. This is, so, when God invested in that first man, he had a nation in mind or continents in mind. Think about that. This is how God invests in us. This is how God invests in us. He has people in mind. Not just one. People. Think about that. So, I tell you unequivocally, there are some resources in your, in your hand that God put in your hand for the sake of people around you. Yes. I take that again. There are some resources in your hand that God put in your head for the sake of people around you. It's true. I want to read a text to you. A lot of people, when they read this text, they only see it from, you know, the salvation standpoint. But they forget how the text starts. You know, Philippians chapter 2, you know, some use this to teach on the name of Jesus, which, is, of course, which they have the right to. Where from verse 9 it says, God has highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every name should bow. But actually, this was a teaching on humility. The Bible says in verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Let this mind be in you. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He, listen, we're talking about someone who was in very essence God, taking on the form of a servant. Listen, and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the concept is, you are having the willingness to lay aside privileges so that you can serve others. I take that again. You having the willingness to lay aside privileges so that you can serve others. Lay aside privileges so that you can serve others. There are some people that you will never reach out to if you are so self-conscious. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you. So start thinking service. Listen, a lot of people, if you are judging from the carnal method of things, this is the opposite of how you're going to think. The moment you have privileges, the moment you have money, you're only going to think of enjoying those privileges, securing those privileges. But imagine thinking service. 
that there are some things that I would have done for myself if I was only thinking for myself. But I can suspend this one or suspend that one just so that I can be there for so-and-so person at this time. What a way to think. That's the way God will have us think. That every platform I have, God puts me there with someone in mind. Think about Esther in the Bible. So now you have the privilege. You are queen in in an era where the king is about to... (laughs) I mean, everybody from your lineage, everybody from your country is about to be in trouble. Everybody from your tribe is about to be in trouble. So Mordecai gives Esther a very stern message. A very stern message. And I want us to learn from this. Esther chapter 4 from verse 13. Esther chapter 4 verse 13. The Bible says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house, more than all the Jews. You know, sometimes we don't feel what people feel because we're in a better place. You're watching the news, you hear, oh, um, 50 children died. And it doesn't really touch you because, I mean, your kids are fine. That's not the way to think. And Mordecai is telling Esther, you may be in the palace. Don't think like that. Don't just have this feeling of exoneration. That shut your boils of compassion from thinking about others. Don't think like that. And look at what he said in verse 14. He says, if you hold, if you altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall there be enlargement and deliverance arise for Jews in a, from another place. I'm not reading verbatim, excuse me. It says, if you don't help, salvation will come from elsewhere. Deliverance will come from elsewhere. God is going to raise someone else. God is going to raise help from someone else. What a way to think. If you don't help, God is going to raise someone else. But this is what I actually wanted to read to you. He says, this is the last part of that verse. It says, and who knows whether you had come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He says, who knows? Maybe this is why God blessed you so much. Maybe this is why you have that privilege. Maybe this is why you have that job. Maybe this is why you have so much money. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So so that you can just be a blessing to someone. Think blessing. Think contribution. It is for such a time as this. So, with all the privileges you have, have you ever found yourself in a situation where a need arises and you think to yourself, well, maybe I'm this privileged so that I can help at a time like this. You know, some people always say things like that when they are broke. Aye, if, I, if only I had money. Aye. Oh. You know, you know, 
ask if you had asked yesterday people, do you know do you know them? If you had asked me yesterday, oh hi. Why didn't you ask me yesterday? Just yesterday I gave my last money. People who are always, you know, not in a position to help. Ah, oh, you self be talking on time now. If you had asked me just one hour ago, <laughs> I would have helped you. You know people like that? God brought me here for a time like this. Start thinking that way. You know, Joseph thought that way too. Can I tell you something? If you spend time thinking this way, you will spend less time focusing on those who are beefing you. You know, some Christians want to act like black American rappers. Putting hashtag haters. They said, we will not make it. Who is they? Why are you always talking like this? Talking to haters. A child of God? Who are the haters? Who are you trying to? Hallelujah. You have to be cautious of that. So, Joseph, Joseph had brothers who literally tried to kill him. They sell him into slavery. But God favors him. Now he's prime minister. Do you know what it means to see people who try to kill you and still have the presence of mind and the spiritual awareness to say, you know what, if it wasn't for the, what you try to do, you know, in your wickedness, I won't be here. To say you meant it for evil, Genesis 50, 20, but God meant it for good. What will that mean to you if you had that kind of, you know, thought about your parents? Some of you may be listening to me. You've, you've beat yourself over the fact that your parents rejected you. But can I tell you something? Because of the rejection that you faced, it gave you the tenacity that you have right now. You've become so strong. You've become so focused in life. You know, and that focus has brought you a lot of success. What if you had, you know, this kind of acknowledgement that Joseph had? That they meant it for evil probably, but God turned it around for good. How about you acknowledge all the great things that the terrible things that happened to you in the past have served to provide? And even better, you come to a point where you are so grateful for all the good things that eventually happened despite your bad experiences in the past that you no longer have time to be beefing anybody. That Joseph sees the people who tried to kill him and he said, you know what, don't worry, it's all good. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Listen, it's easier said than done, but you have the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost. You can. You can. Stop being petty. Stop being petty. Some of you, you may have forgiven those folks, but you will first start by giving them, you know, the lecture of their lives. <laughs> the lecture. And then 
all your social media status will know that something has happened. Something has happened. Hallelujah. And the Lord is redirecting your heart. Maybe someone is listening to me and you desperately needed this word. So start training your hearts. All right? Start training your heart in the direction of generosity. This is so crucial. All right. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 11, verse 28. Someone, someone is asking, why are we talking about this at this time? The reason is simple. Because, <laughs> let me say this. If you don't see God move, one option could be you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. And this, I said that to say this. At a time like this, where many financial experts are saying there is going to be a recession and all of that, we need to know God's provision for his children. And yes, we've emphasized the prophetic aspect. You know, Isaac sowed in the land, there was a famine, yet he was prosperous and all of that. And you receive that. There is also another dimension that I want to emphasize today. The fact is this. In the body of Christ, at a time of recession, God is going to raise people and give them abundant wealth despite the recession. And it's not just so that they could come out and share grandiose testimonies and leave other people wondering God when. No, the reason why he blessed you so much is so that you can help one person or two people or ten people or twenty people, as many as he has empowered you to do so. To help. That's why he blessed you so much. Can I tell you something? By God's design, nobody should be in lack in the body of Christ. Not as a result of the individual fate of everybody alone. But by the sheer generosity of everybody. The only way, the only way we will come to a point where nobody lacks in the body is if everybody sees the welfare of the person beside him as his responsibility. That's God's provision. In the early church, that's the way it was. So it's good that we expect everybody to use their faith. But there is a provision where you, you, you have to be your brother's keeper. And for God's sake, listen to me. There is a difference between biblical welfare and enablement. Some people, what their idea of welfare is, you know, is an enablement for laziness. Some people are just plain lazy. And some people are so entitled, they use welfare as a cover. You will know. Can I tell you something? A wicked person is a wicked person whether he has money or not. And some people, the way they go about asking, even when they don't have money, you will tell, this is a wicked person. And if he had money, he wouldn't help other people. There's just a way some people just get so manipulative. I mean, you're on IG, 
telling everybody that you've not had money to eat. And I'm wondering, you've not had money to eat for the past three months. But you have data. Who are we kidding here? A lot of people are so entitled, and I don't even want to go on to give you examples. Some of these people make it so difficult to help people who are in genuine need. Because of entitlements. Can I tell you something? There is a teaching on that. I, I want you to go and listen to Welfare Code. Can I tell you something? There is a biblical code for determining who deserves welfare. Because whether you like it or not, not everybody, according to the Bible, deserves welfare. So Paul taught on it. N not even widows, not all widows deserve, according to what Paul said. He said, the young widows, go and marry. Paul's words. And let your family take care of you. The older widows, yes, but we want to see some track record. Who's, who have you helped? I don't have time to talk about that. So the, the notion that, you know, just because we are believers, anybody can just come, wimp up some emotions, get money. You know, some people have that notion. They just come to the DM of a pastor that they, are, they don't know, never talk to, you know, or any such thing. The first time you say hello, you want to ask for money. And sometimes you have no choice, I know. But sometimes you're being manipulative. So there is that too. But we must make sure that, you know, people who get it wrong don't stop us from pointing out people who actually need help. All right? And helping them out. This is so crucial. I want to read something to you. And I, I think after this, we'll um, do one or two things and then we'll call it a day. Look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. It says, And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world. So, Agabus signified by the Spirit. By the Spirit, he knew there was going to be a great famine in the world. He says, and the Bible says, it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So this is, these are historical facts. The Bible says, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. The sermon was not just, everybody use your faith. You know who you are, you know. That's not what they said. Of course, in fact, the mere fact that they knew ahead of time that the famine was coming still talks about the supernatural edge. So what I'm talking about here is the balance. Don't forget where this sermon started. The balance between expecting, you know, supernatural favor as it pertains to finances. I mean, the Holy Spirit was not just bothered about how many souls they won and how many people they got filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit cared enough to tell them famine is coming. And I've taught you this before. Can I tell you something? If this manifestation of the Spirit this, in this kind of direction, you are not open to it, you won't see it. You know, there are just some people who 
are extreme with these things and think, you know, God is only concerned about the souls. It's not true. It's not biblical. But at the same time, there is a balance. First, the spirit is not going to stop the famine. He will tell you about it so that you can prepare for it. And how do you prepare for it? In this context, actually, this example, not even by your faith at all. By welfare. Because like I told you, there has never been a famine that affected everybody. And in the body of Christ, if some people have and other people don't, it should be a no-brainer. Share what you have. Share what you have. Share what you have. Because you need to know who God is. All right? I thought on this in, on that welfare code. I want to say this. I want you to try to listen to the sermon welfare code. It's on our website. All right? Try to listen to the sermon this week, if possible, tonight. I shared some of these thoughts and I said so many things I'm, I'm not saying here. But I just want to say this to you. You know what the Bible says about God? In Psalm chapter 68 verse 5. Please open your Bible, Psalm 68 verse 5. Psalm 68 verse 5. It says, A father of fatherless, a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. This is, this is God. Father to the fatherless. Judge of widows. That's who he is. That's who he is. Can I tell you something? There is something about the nature of God that bends or dives towards the vulnerable in their defense. Anybody who knows God well knows better than to turn his eye from someone who needs genuine help. You know better than to do that. Now, your resources are limited, mind you. So, there is also the extreme. You know, some people are always feeling guilty to enjoy the things that God gives them. That's wrong. All right. But at the same time, you must have a sense of responsibility. I believe there is a aspect of the leading of the spirit when it comes to generosity, apart from sheer responsibility. You just know you're supposed to do this. Have you ever had a strong knowledge to be a blessing to someone? Or to, to support, you know, a particular branch of ministry, a particular project, a particular child, or something like that? You need to have those leadings in your life. He says he's Father of fatherless. That's who he is. Judge of widows. Meaning, he's, he's watching, he's judging. If you think that because they're vulnerable, you can take advantage of them, you're mistaken. You're, you're making a big mistake. Father of, isn't it, you know, a divine coincidence that today happens to be Children's Day? I'm talking about welfare. So here is what I want you to do. Because... You know, when we teach on prayer, you practice the word by praying. When we teach on diligence in the word of God, you practice that by studying. 
And when we teach on welfare, you practice that by giving. So I want you to think of a child, maybe in your neighborhood. It can be the child of a gate man or someone or some, it doesn't matter where. And just help them out with something. Even if it's a notebook, buy something for a child. I want to give you three weeks for that. Even if it's a meal, do that. And start practicing. And then give yourself the challenge that, you know, give yourself targets. As you're giving yourself targets for prosperity, give yourself targets for generosity. At what age are you going to start sending people to school? Give yourself targets for that. All right? Give yourself targets for generosity. Because God is father of the fatherless. And so if you have the spirit of God in you, the bowels of your compassion will always tilt towards people who are vulnerable. It's an indispensable sign. As I round off, I want to read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It says, if you don't love, you don't know God. Love is of God. God is love. If you don't love, you don't know God. So on a day like this, Children's Day, pray for children. All right. And find someone. I gave you an assignment. You know, in three weeks, a child. Some of you can can help an entire neighborhood. Some of you can help an orphanage. Just send, use a courier service or something. Send them the materials. When you begin to do that, you're going to begin to provoke, you know, help in such a way. People who don't know you will remember you out of the blues. And I don't even want you to do it for what you can get. Otherwise, that's going to defeat the whole purpose of generosity. Do it because that's who you are. All right. So anyways, I'm sure you've been blessed. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what we have learned. And thank you for the privilege to be doers of your word and not hear us alone. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we have learned today, we see the privileges that we have as a platform for us to be a blessing to others. Not to oppress, but to bless. And whilst the people of the world see the resources that they have as proof that they are better than others, we see the resources that we have as an avenue, an opportunity to make others better. Help us to have this consciousness all the days of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.